you're listening to the seventh reel this week arguably the cornerstone of pop culture since 2001 shrek starring oof, mike myers eddie murphy playing himself and Cameron Diaz playing herself. Oh my god, that's Cameron Diaz. <laughs> that's Cameron Diaz, Michelle. The whole time I was like, I know this voice, but I couldn't place it. Lord Farquaad is Lithgow. John Lithgow. Yeah. No, no, no. I thought John Lithgow was the father in the second one. Oh, no, that's John yeah. Please. No, Dad, John Lithgow is the, the evil prince. So my last, in my last job, we used to call one of the higher-ups Lord Farquaad because he was really grumpy and horrible. <laughs> <laughs> and then he found out uh, and he wasn't very happy about it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he found out. But he was a horrible person. He used to cheat on his wife. Oh, my so God. Like oh, him. wow. How do they know? How does this become, like, company, like, knowledge? Probably. That's the thing. He just didn't care. And then for an April Fool's joke one year, so who lives in London by the way hmm. like he was visiting the company and he drove all the way to his house and put this note on his car like pretending to be one of his lovers in case his wife was oh. <laughs> he got so mad he lost it oh my <laughs> was god so that's awesome Oh man, I I, I I wish my office list was this fun. Anyways, Michelle, this was this is our first viewers recommendation. Yes, my friend right? Jacob recommended we watch this. All right, Jacob, if you're listening to this, and I find out that you didn't listen to this episode, <laughs> we're gonna be very yeah, cross. Jacob. Anyways, <laughs> anyways, um, let's start with you, Michelle. What do you think about this movie? It's fun. I don't. Know. <laughs> I realized I hadn't seen it as many times as I thought I had because I couldn't remember a lot of it. I have yeah. I didn't remember. I remember the main beats. I don't remember any of the jokes so all of the jokes came fresh to me and some of them were funny i'm surprised you said what did you think i i mean surprised i mean i enjoyed it and there's i saw it a lot as a kid so this was like uh, just like re-watching some classic you loved but i don't know it's uh it's shrek what, what, <laughs> what can you say <laughs> this kind of there's kind of a strange appeal about this movie. Like, it, I don't know. Was it like the first one to cater to adults as an animated movie or something? I think so. This is the first. Well, the whole like idea of like just loading these children movies with pop culture references and celebrity cast members. Mm. I think originally, I think the first a big hit of that was Aladdin with Robin Williams, and then uh, that's him also like he he as like a, he as a big old star like, like very big name. No, well, it's nineties, right? Aladdin was the nineties. It was eighty nine. No, it was it was Rob, it was Robin Williams at his peak. No, Little Mermaid was uh, eighty nine. Aladdin was twenty nineteen, directed by Guy Ritchie. No. <laughs> oh yes, yes, yes. <laughs> that's starring Billy Magnuson. Can we stop talking about this goddamn film? <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> So the, this movie went through a lot of um, like before a lot of like pre-production like before it ever got produced, uh, like it it was gonna be a a Bill Murray movie with Steve Martin as the donkey, and then it um, that would have been completely oh, been different. Yeah, and probably worse. I think that could <laughs> actually be interesting though. It, it could have been really good, but I don't think it would have been like I don't know. Bill Murray and Steve Martin have such different like comedic. Uh, they, I don't think so. they really like. Yeah, that's true. Comedy actually, comedy kids actors. I always thought they were mm-hmm. more like adult comedy. Oh, I'm mm-hmm. just blanking on everything. No, they did cheaper by the dozen. I like that as a kid. Yeah, see, Martin mm-hmm. did cheaper by the dozen. The two of those. Um, I Wait, what happened to the second one? What happens to the second the one? Oldest the oldest daughter has a baby. Mm-hmm. Oh. oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, they're just going to double it. They double it. Just 24. <laughs> the uh then the role okay so that didn't work out and then the role uh was offered to 
Nicolas Cage when the movie like was bought by DreamWorks. Oh, no. oh, he oh, turned no. it down. He said, uh, <laughs> uh, "When you're drawn." So once. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you the reason as to why he turned this specific project down. When you're drawn in a way, it says more about how children are going to see you than anything else, and I so care about that. <laughs> I, he did, he did. Wait, so wait, he didn't. Never done an animated film. I guess no. I or I guess he just he just he didn't want to look like, like an ogre. That was his thing. Like he was like, no, that would be tied uh, to my. Because uh, I know he did the crudes. Oh. <laughs> yes, yeah. he did the crudes. He did the crudes, and he did the ampullate. He's he did the ampullate. Yeah. I hated that. Do you remember film. that with DreamWorks? Also with DreamWorks. Awful <laughs> film. Uh, okay, and then yeah. Uh, so Chris Farley was initially hired, but died. He did Astro Boy, oh, too. Oh, this is Nick Cage. I liked Astro Boy, but I don't think I'd like it now. So Chris Farley was hired, then oh. he uh, passed away. So then Mike Myers was recast, who insisted on a complete rewrite and uh, left no traces of Farley's mm-hmm. version. And then um, he wanted to voice the character for two reasons. Wanted to work with Jeffrey Katzenberg. I don't know why. The uh, I guess the DreamWorks oh. guy. Genius. Uh, really? Why? Yes. Tell us more about him. Uh, he is a father of, well, not anymore. Not obviously not anymore because he got canceled. Uh, but he is a one. He is known for being the father of modern day Disney Pixar animation mm. and also DreamWorks, yeah. right? So I believe he was. This is a DreamWorks production. Mm-hmm. Then he, yeah, he's he's he. They did Prince of Egypt. Like he probably saw Prince of Egypt and went like, "Wow!" Like these got DreamWorks has just proven to be like taking animation mm. and, and a, tr- a genuine run. contender. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's probably him. Yeah. He probably saw Chicken Run. First of all, he probably saw Chicken Run and lost his mind. But uh, he worked this graphic Katzenberg work of Disney. He did a little memory. He was essentially responsible for the Golden Age Disney Renaissance, and then he left and did DreamWorks. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so that he was he had a lot mm. of clout. Then. So so that's why he yeah. pr- wanted to work with them. That makes sense. And uh, and then yeah. Oh wait, he didn't get canceled. That was that was that was I'm quite sorry, rude. Get, wait. <laughs> Someone else. No, that was that was the oh, Pixar oh, guy. Oh yeah that yeah was the yeah, Pixar yeah, guy. yeah. But yeah, same. But uh, oh, yeah. yeah, this this uh, Kassenberger is Kassenberg is the DreamWorks. Uh, so so and, and Mike Myers uh, also said uh, he liked the story about accepting yourself for who you are. Then uh, voiced the character mm-hmm. and uh, decided uh, he didn't like it, so re-recorded all of his lines in a Scottish accent. Guys, just give me one second. I'm gonna close my window. People are screaming outside. What? What is that? It's a lockdown protest. Oh. Well, I'm not gonna say too many color, so much colorful language. Oh my god. So, so you know who the we are. so I I think the uh, the re the which I I I don't understand this. Why would re-recording all his lines cost four million? But he said it was so good we took four millions worth of animation out and did it again. Because uh oh because because if it's re-recorded they animated the animation to. Farley's performance, right? Think of it. Think of it like. Think of it. Oh, no, uh, isn't it no this was a Scottish accent. Yeah. Themselves? Yeah. Listen. Oh, when, well, they they it caught I because they had to redraw it. I thought it was because like the reason they threw it out. It's not just the recording. It's because they probably just already did some animation already. Because mm-hmm. I I believe I saw some like key animation frames or storyboards for Farley's performance. Then this is not about Farley's. The third time. This, this is, is Mike <laughs> Myers re-recorded himself. <laughs> oh. Yeah. This, this says sorry, Mike Myers using the Scottish accent instead of, but he disputes that. He says it didn't cost the studio millions of dollars. They they probably still had to redo some. Of what the, like his mouth shape moving? Like, yes, 
this is in the early days of like well this is relatively early in terms of 3d anime it's fully 3d animated movies that don't look like absolute garbage i'm guessing this was I mean, very some parts didn't look very good. no some parts don't add, well yeah that's but some parts look like a ps2 game which is great <laughs> i was like wow this, this is what i don't like about these um animated movies when you're like making a movie like with the latest mm-hmm. technology it's almost like saying like okay i'm gonna make this movie for this period of time mm-hmm. for these people and then it's gonna eventually be outshined by like other stuff whereas with chicken run i found that it's because it's such a specific way of doing things it's not gonna age mm-hmm. in that way you know what i mean like yeah. does that it's make like sense? og yeah. disney is yeah kind of similar yeah they kept mm-hmm. that up for over 50 years before they it's hand-drawn yeah mm-hmm. that artistry can't be can't be replica can't be like overtaken or improved not only improved upon but it looks authentic because the hand that had and just like in, uh, in Chicken Run, like these are actual physical mm. models moving in front of you. The the illusion, there is no illusion. It's happening right in front of you. Like yeah, but with three D, I suppose it's you can see like it, it can never, it can never, it can it always outstays its welcome because it's so dependent on the technology. I think mm-hmm. like you look at I don't know, you look at toy, the lighting in Toy Story four, and then you look at this movie, you're like wow, we've come kind of really. But I still think this movie it looks great in a lot of parts, and I, there's a lot of creative little tricks that they mm. pull, not just in terms of animation, but in terms of editing that makes it like that make I thought what made it really engaging. The sequence towards the third, you know how in every movie like this, like the third act, the the, the two heroes they had to hate each other for like five minutes, right? Usually through a montage, mm. and in this case, it's Shrek going back to his lonely life and Fiona getting married, and the way they transition between two of those those two those two things is actually I thought was really cool. Just like Shrek looking at him look, looking at a fractured mirror at the ground and then cuts to Fiona, Fiona's reflection also in but it's instead of fractured mirror it's the chandeliers in the great hall and then Shrek uh, throws the flowers that he was going to give Fiona into the fire but that fire pulls out to reveal to be the fire at Fiona's wedding like this fireplace at Fiona's wedding like it's it's these little interlocking tricks that they do that makes it stand out stand above like makes I, I think that makes it feel more timeless and actually not go like wow you're watching this you're like well this is really dated anyways I'm well did you like aside from all of that did you kind of feel nostalgic of like was it i don't remember my my english was too garbage when i was mm. a kid to like get all of the jokes and i never watched the dub so i never really understood them and even if there are jokes i didn't get that they were mm. jokes i think as a kid uh there were, there were a couple of jokes where i was like how do they get away with it no there's there's actually one joke when mike myers made the did you did you like the shrek uh, joke about real estate when they saw the dragon's <laughs> castle Oh yeah, yeah. It's not just the size of this place, the location, and I just died. I'm like, what's the? Why is that in the movie? It's so. How much of the script do you think is like completely? I it felt like Eddie Murphy ad libbed every single line, and he was just playing off like they they gave him like an outline of like maybe what Donkey would say, and he kind of just like ran. Uh, Apparently, when Cameron Diaz burped, when Fiona burps, uh. He improvised. She's as nasty as you are. Stuff like that. <laughs> Which, I mean, uh, it's all fun. It's all fun. Um, Shrek means monster it, it, in it, Yiddish and is derived from the German word Shrek, which means terror oh no. or fright. So. Wait, it means monster yeah. in Yiddish? That's so funny. Yeah. I'm sorry, that's so funny. What did you think about the message? Uh, what about being who you really are and kind of. Yeah. 
uh, it's brave. <laughs> no, I mean it's it's a great message, and especially for young people. That I mean, like Zootopia, for example. It's one of those movies when I watched it, I was like, this is a great lesson to give to kids. Like it is, but I was just thinking about it, mm-hmm. and it's like, does she only accept who she is because she sees like Shrek who looks like her? Yeah. And that he has to tell her that she's beautiful. <laughs> yeah, to accept herself. And like that's the message. But it's and that's what makes her believe find it. yourself a man. <laughs> that's. <laughs> but maybe she was just conditioned. But like she was conditioned to think a certain way, right? She's herself is conditioned to feel like to adhere to traditional fairy tales. Like when she, when he first says her, and she's like going off mm-hmm. like, oh, why don't she like how, like she's trying to speak as if she's part of the that's character. How I saw like it, I like the idea that they're all playing. A- I know, but it's, mm-hmm. it depends, like, if you view it as it's about, like, race, mm-hmm. then it works well, I guess. But then if it's about, like, a disability, mm-hmm. it's like you've got to see someone else with a, a similar uh, disability to see, like, something of value in yourself. Well, which yeah. Or is it just yeah. be- generalized as beauty? I think the film kind of just generalizes all of this as beauty, right? Like, you don't look, like, mm. I mean, it breaks it down to very simplistic terms of good and ugly, like, handsome and ugly i know but that's the thing because i mean you can say that the the villain is sort of mm-hmm. i mean i don't it's he's deformed himself yeah that's right well, I, I don't know if you can sure call dwarfism a, a deformity i don't think it is <laughs> i just think it's a trait i don't know i don't know the I'm specifics sorry. but it's like they, they you know they, they make fun of him constantly for exactly it. and he's it's a villain but it's not you shouldn't be giving like villains disabilities because then in mm. real life a child sees a dwarf and they think evil because hmm. it's like in Bruges and they have an angry dwarf it's horrible <laughs> yeah. like it's a trope hmm. and it's not a good trope because like the people in real life who have to deal with that it's not good for them well they kind of hmm. make fun they kind of address that in, in Bruges though right the yeah. character that like, ends up being more than a little more than like Colin Farrell has to talk with him and it's like I'm sorry I was rude the reason I was rude is because I was on horse tranquilizers the entire day <laughs> and that was like the excuse for the character <laughs> It's great. Anyways, do you think that the original draft of the script, Lord Farquaad's character, was written to be more sympathetic? Mm. I think so. I doubt it. I think. What, what makes well, you say that? Because I, I, I only, I, I only, because of the point you made, Michelle, like that, that he himself is like def- deformed and that he's very, very short. And the movie, everybody makes fun of him for that in the movie. But like, isn't that? But in the movie, I that's mean, all, about that all about not judging people by their appearance. No, no. Isn't that kind of hypocritical? Mm. I mean, you could say it's all about that one dick joke. <laughs> that he's... Did they make him yet acceptable? Name, his because, name is... No, that he is trying to make up for something. And so the kids can see it as high, but the adults know it's not. Mm. So it makes it acceptable. I don't know. What do you but think? Isn't, but then you can go... You can take that a step further <laughs> and extrapolate that isn't uh, discriminating people with supposedly s- small members also a form of discrimination? Maybe they should be mm-hmm. <laughs> sympathetic. But... I, I get, I, I get what you, it just made me like realize. It just made me think, like maybe, like maybe perhaps that the movie should have been more equal-handed in judging. If because the, I get the villain is just meant to be one joke, but when that one joke is also dependent on kind of like the emotional lesson, like the lesson of this movie, I don't know if it like all feeds like kind of tracks that well as like the fine as like at the conclusion of the story, which is why I was wondering maybe in like initial drafts maybe there was a little bit more to that. That's all. And also, his name isn't his name just is supposed to be a play on Fakwad, and that's <laughs> that's 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 the main uh, joke. Wow. His name is supposed to be Fakwad, and then they, that's like that's the joke. Like that sounds like Fakwad. I really didn't get that. Uh, 
that's so dumb of me. <laughs> yeah. That's so dumb. What did you guys think about the music? Uh, well, okay, so I read that uh, the song I'm a Believer was picked because it said I thought true love was only in fairy tales, and that sounded so dumb. <laughs> <laughs> just, okay. That's, that's why they picked yeah, it up. Stuff like that. I, I like the song choices, I just don't like the fact that a lot of them are really... 2000s cover-ish sounding that kind of i don't know that to me that was part of the appeal it like it reminded me of all those like you know yeah when you listen to like weezer and blink 182 like like, that was what music was (laughs) to me at least so i that was what music was yeah i I don't know it kind of made me feel but this again this i i can i can't be like um i can't speak about it in any sophisticated way this I mean, because I saw it at such a young age and feel like this deeper connection. But you to can it. now. Yeah, but I still feel like I have like a bias towards it as like one of the movies that defined what a movie was to me. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? I would say the the music is probably my favorite part of the movie, despite the fact that it becomes very distracting mm-hmm. sometimes. I like the main theme that kicks it mm-hmm. off. It sounds so like traditional and like actually very evocative and very catchy. I thought they did a really, really good job of that. And to use that to tie it in, like it kicks in at the right moment whenever it feels, when it, whenever it has to like, really embrace its, the fairy tale, like it kicks in. I thought that was really good. One thing that really annoyed mm-hmm. me was during the, when they fall in, when they, this montage where they fall in love with each other and he's trying to ask, like confess his feelings at the end. They were playing this very 2000 surfer boyish cover of You Belong to mm. Me. And I got really mad. I was just like, that's just so good. Why do you just, it's like, I don't want to hear this Kurt Cobain like, sound alike croon on and on about it. The one other little detail that I noticed was when they first enter Lord Farquaad's castle. And it's all empty, right? You can kind of hear like what sounds like elevator music in the background. It's not elevator music. It's the song Meditations. And uh, I lit up because when I was in university and I had to make like a dumb short, I used that song as well. I'm not sure if it's because I heard it all the way back in Shrek when I was a chi- tiny mm. child, but uh, I-, I-, I was really happy. I was like, oh, I recognize mm. that. <laughs> in the background. Cool. So that's... Uh... That's, yeah, <laughs> that's my only pers- personal <sighs> anecdote. Did you notice how they were like dancing around Disney copyright? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I don't know. It's like, no. it's Snow White, but the, and the seven men she lives with, it's not, and the seven dwarves, they never say dwarves. And then they don't call Pinocchio Pinocchio. He's just a puppet. He's just a puppet. It's just like, and there's like, they don't say hey ho, they say, they say ho hey or something like that. They're reversing it. <laughs> Did you realize the Fakwat logo looks eerily similar to Facebook? No. The no. F? I was like, that looks like exactly like a Facebook <laughs> app. That's crazy. And um, um, they made Robin Hood French when he's very uh, much English. Thank you. <laughs> and they never call him Robin Hood. <laughs> Well, they call them. I think they call him the Merry Men mm-hmm. at one no, point. No, he summons his the Merry Men. Are the he summons his Merry Men? Oh, so Merry Men's not under the trademark that Robin Hood is. Hmm. Did you find the pop culture references distracting? I don't know, Michelle. Did you? <laughs> I don't really know what you mean. It irked me when 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 Eddie when Donkey asked, like, said Shrek needed a Tic Tac. I'm like, how the hell do you know what a Tic Tac oh, is? Oh, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, that's sort of, that kind of stuff is really dumb. It just feels like an ad lib, and I'm like, well, they didn't really think it through as to whether it will work for the story. Even if it's like you know a pop culture mm-hmm. reference, like it doesn't some that, work. I like the blind mice doing "It's a Wonderful Life." You know that that reminds uh, me like, of the uh, 
stuff like that reminds me of your comments on Brooklyn Nine Nine. That there's a, a within the Brooklyn Nine Nine world, there's a Game of Thrones type thing, and also Game yeah. of Thrones. <laughs> and then then they reference yeah. Game of Thrones again, and I'm like, wait, well, there's yeah. no consistency here. Yeah, Who's yeah. This? yeah. So stuff like that, I do, I do get your point. It does kind of annoy me. Where it's like, okay, well, I'm giving you two hours of my life. Just try to. Yeah, exactly. Take it like through. you. Try like I get like you're here it's just for the adults, but some jokes are good. Some of them are good. Like I like I love all the physical like more when it's like more visual. Yeah. I like it a lot more like when he's fighting the guys and then it turns into a WWE match. Like I like stuff like that. That stuff is pretty yeah. cool. But yeah, when any most a lot of the Eddie Murphy's lines feel like he's like, Oh, just let him let Eddie mm. be Eddie and like he, sure it's funny and it's entertaining, but it doesn't quite work for the story. However, I would say both him and Mike Myers gave a really good performance here. I actually really I thought they did a really, really good job. Mike Myers Scottish accent, like a, like even though he did that whole ca- Scottish character mm. thing. It made no towards sense the end when he, <laughs> I yeah. know it makes no sense that he did that. Ah. Um I think he just wanted to make it his own and stand out a lot more. I think, like, in the event, like, he probably, I, I think that's how he felt felt it. Mm-hmm. It's like, I really want to make this my own. How do I do that? And he's a character, like, he does characters, right? How so, do I do that? I must uh, be a unique performer. And it obviously worked out because there's, like, in s- this just exactly, it's like six movies. Shrek. <laughs> he's, like, treating it like, uh, what's his name? Uh, Lawrence Olivier <laughs> or something. <laughs> <laughs> like, How do I leave my mark on Shrek? <laughs> <laughs> How do I become the ogre? <laughs> yeah, sorry. Well, he did a good job because, and it obviously worked out because you know this is a hu- this is perhaps DreamWorks' best-selling mm-hmm. franchise next to uh, the, the the How to Train Your Dragon, I guess. Really? Because Shark Tale Shark Tale didn't get a sequel. Oh yeah, Shark Tale is awful. Shark Tale didn't get a sequel. A lot of your stuff doesn't didn't pan out. Like Over the Hedge, remember uh, that? The I Croods. That. I watched that three times. The Croods. They put a sequel. Uh, I think. Mm-hmm. The Croods. Oh yeah, they out. did. Really recently, like this yeah. year, like this year. Madagascar. I keep forgetting See, Madagascar. So many sequels. This has been like Madagascar five Madagascars or something. And Boss Baby. There's a new one coming out this <laughs> oh, year. Wait. Kung Fu Panda. Okay, never mind. Like they, they did this once. They they're very good at this. Kung Fu Panda. By the way, Yusuf, I want to bring mm-hmm. something up to you. This is and I know this is just it's, it's just in terms of like annoying stuff they put into in Kung Fu mm-hmm. Panda. All of the names are I, and I hate to say this really really really. Why? For example, Dustin Hoffman's character is called Master Shifu. Mm-hmm. Do you know what Shifu is in Chinese? No. It's Master. Oh His name is literally Master Master. Oh god. Oh. That's like that oh. uh, Darth Vader Master thing. Ugwe. Master Ugwe is a turtle, right? Yeah. Yeah, you know what Ugwe is? Is turtle. His name is Master Turtle. They don't. You can't even give him a name. <laughs> That's so funny isn't that they. Kung Fu, is it? It's Kung Fu, is that right? Kung Fu is even it's not even Kung Fu, it's like Kung Pao mm. Chicken. There's the Kung is not a sound that exists. But all uh, that never stuff. Mind. Um, DreamWorks, this is your fault. Get your get, get your act together. It would together. be really hard to like if you explain it to people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like he's it's like no, his name is Master Sh- and I get why they did that. Like it's very like it's like okay, yeah, we want to cover all of these and pay homage to like the culture and stuff like that. But you gotta acknowledge how dumb this comes across mm. to like you know an international audience at times. Like it's fine for mm-hmm. Americans, but like, okay. well, two thousand one. I don't. Well, no, when was Kung Fu Panda made? Two thousand. 
Okay, well, they have no excuse, I think. <laughs> I think no you understand that better. this is a global market at that point. I was going to say 2001 at least. Okay, maybe, kind of, you know. You don't know where this movie's going. Mm -hmm. But you will likely have an idea, but, but still, mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I think the sad thing about Shrek is that he's constantly dealing with the same kind of problem. Each, each movie, he never really progresses mm -hmm. much. And that's why by like the third and fourth movie is like, Shrek, are you unsatisfied with your life and wish people will leave you alone? It's like, yeah, for like the fourth time. And you're like, okay, come on. Guys. Mm -hmm. Did you think the second one's better than the first one? Second one, I don't remember the second one, Shrek but I do remember that there's a dip in quality. Or was it not? Starting oh, from, from the, the third. third wow. I would say starting from the third. I, I would argue the second one's still pretty strong. Or maybe it's just the one I've seen a lot more. Mm -hmm. I remember most of most of the second one. It's the one with the I need a hero. Like it's they nailed the idea of like okay having a musical number like cap off the like cap off the finale. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was really really cool. Anyways, uh, shall we take yeah, a break? Let's do it. Let's do it. We're back to the seventh reel. Now, on to my personal favorite segment. Who framed Roger Ebert? Yusuf, take it so, away. What did old Roger say Roger about? Ebert is a noted uh, film critic who gave this four <laughs> stars. Yeah. Whoa! <laughs> there is a moment in Shrek when the despicable Lord Farquaad has the gingerbread man tortured by dipping him into milk. This prepares us for another moment when Princess Fiona's singing voice is so pierces, piercing it causes jolly little bluebirds to explode. Making the best of the bad of a bad situation, she fries their egg. This is not your average family cartoon. Shrek is jolly and wicked, filled with sly and jokes, and yet somehow possessing a heart. So he just thinks it's like the shit he loves it. <laughs> I think he made out, he, he pointed out a very, very good point here, that he has a heart. It's sincere in its references. It's, it fully embraces the fairy tale. You watch so many like kids movies nowadays and the uh, the pop culture stuff feels so cynical and like tailored, you know? It's like, and it's so supposed to be relevant to like the year it's, it's made in. Mm. This doesn't. The fact that I got all the references is I think indicative like most of like it's like it's broad enough that and, and sincere enough and not overtly cynical because it's all there to make you laugh and enjoy the story more and not because like oh we gotta put this in because old kids movies are star-studded pop culture filled like, well small. yeah and to, uh, I think he pinpoints that being the success of where the movie succeeds he like talks about how okay there's you know there's Toy Story and all this technology and the voiceovers are really good and blah 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 but what makes this movie as like a really you know lasting piece was a story's fun the ogre's lovable and then he says shrek's a guy we want as our friend and he doesn't frighten us but stir our sympathy he's so immensely likable that i suspect he may emerge as an enduring character populating sequels and spin-offs one movie cannot contain him <laughs> so he called it <laughs> roger you're an your prophet <laughs> I wonder how he feels about the sequels. <laughs> he pro probably Let's less see. favorably. Did he review the sequel? On. Yeah, he did review <laughs> the second sequel. It doesn't quite hold up. It takes three stars. Shrek 2 is bright, lively, and entertaining, but it's no Shrek. <laughs> 
<laughs> I love him. He's, he's, <laughs> he's no Shrek. Yeah. He's an OG he's Shrek fan. I get it, Roger. I don't know. I mean, uh, <laughs> he's he's still into it, I think. He says it's a, it's a jolly the story. I thought the and uh, Shrek himself seems durable enough to inspire Shrek 3 with no trouble at all. <laughs> Maybe it will be Shrek meets Cheaper by the Dozen. See, so that's weird. Yeah. Oh my god, he called it. <laughs> I can't believe that. Oh my god, he called it. <laughs> that's exactly what Shrek 3 and 4 are. Roger Ebert knew what was up. I remember when I was growing up, the Fiona being an ogre twist blew my mind. Like, that was the end. Oh, you know what? Sorry, I, I just want to say this is fascinating from Shrek to Roger Ebert's review. Yeah. Sequels have their work cut out for them. Some people think Godfather Part 2 is better than The Godfather, uh -huh. but the first film loomed so tall in my mind that I gave Part 2 only three stars. In the same way, perhaps I would have liked Shrek 2 more if the first film had never existed, but I'll never know. That's kind of an interesting idea because sometimes I saw it Indiana Jones Temple of Doom before the other ones. And I was like, this is so good. This is better than... So technically, to me, that was the first one. And then when I saw the Raiders and stuff like that, I was like, eh, okay, it's kind of good. But <laughs> it's no Temple of Doom. <laughs> so maybe it's, yeah, I don't know. It's kind of the order you see these things in. That's it. Should we do uh, what we've seen during the week? What we've seen so far? Yusuf, what have you? Okay, so this week I've been... I don't know, I've been in a mood to watch a lot of stuff. So I watched... Finished the Hemingway... The Ken Burns Hemingway documentary. Loved it. Absolutely loved it. Could not recommend it, like, more. Found the second and third part to be way more interesting. And uh, mm -hmm. was fascinated by the different opinions that authors had of his work. Like, some people were like, oh, For Whom the Bell Tolls uh, sucks and stuff like that. It's, like, a, his worst book. And other people were like, that's his masterpiece. And, um, like, uh, The Old Man in the Sea, some people thought it was, like, his, uh, really good. Others thought his writing had, like, at that point just become, like, schoolboy writing and, like, really bad. So it was fascinating to see different authors, like different works. And the first part really focuses on his like short stories. And that's kind of what they delve in the deepest on. But I I really, really, uh, I mean, found it fascinating and, and found like the 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 fact that his his myth kind of ate him up you know but it kind of like consumed him wholly like that if, if you if he had just been like i feel like he created this character and it was such a success that the books were kind of like ancillary you know what i mean like they just kind of existed as this like merchandise for the character <laughs> almost and uh that was kind of really really fascinating it kind of like taught me a lot about what being a writer is i think in a in a way that i didn't expect so i found that uh, amazing and really enjoyed it and then i watched um and i'm still watching this uh the dark side of the ring which is a show on viceland and it's amazing it's so it's about professional wrestling and what like these uh like performance go through and what happened and it's like all stories about like really their their like tragic personal lives and 
it's surprising how how like it draws these like really like i don't know fascinating characters like the first episode is about like this again it's like they create like the, uh, the first episode's about uh randy macho man savage and it's all about how he created this persona again for himself as like this you know really crazy character and his wife who he was married to and how they incorporated that into the storyline of his like professional life and then Mm -hmm. the deterioration of the you know on-screen romance coincided with his personal life's deterioration and how she left him and Mm -hmm. stuff like that so it's really it explores like all these like inner things about life off the stage and then also kind of shows you how it kind of bleeds into and how they use that and how all these guys are just i don't know it's how all these guys create this like myth for themselves and really either fall into it and become you know a victim of it or kind of claw their way out and it's it's amazing i i've i can't stop watching it it's kind of like wrestling meets true crime and especially if you had like i as a kid i i watched like uh, you know wwe or whatever with like my friends you still have that stuff mm-hmm. and uh, you know as we i obviously outgrew it when i like <laughs> you know turned i don't know 11 or something but but it is amazing to see it contextualized you know with real people now that's that's what i watched this week it's just surprising how they both like kind of fit into the same category of like (laughs) they they kind of they kind of do i was just about to say it's like that's very thematically consistent yeah i i've never seen that actually i always found i yeah i've seen a bit of it but because i don't like mm -hmm. i don't like misery porn in like film because i'm like i would just look at watch a documentary and yeah (laughs) it's like there's plenty of bad shit it's definitely it feels like you know it is it's like super tragic like every episode's like really obviously it's the darker side of it but but i feel like i don't know man it attracts these people who are like so drawn into i think it's like theater and also being like a man's man you know what Mm -hmm. i mean because they're like uh, obviously like all like Mm -hmm. bulked up really yeah but it's but it's It's super yeah it's it's just like super you know theater on a next level and it's fascinating to me how like the audiences Mm -hmm. that watch it are like kind of fooling themselves like not admitting like oh i'm watching a play but they're not like like they go into this whole segment where it's about how it bret hart loses uh, gets screwed out of like losing his title to sean michaels another wrestler and then he goes mm-hmm. out and t- tells like gives interviews about being like yeah the the storyline was supposed to be that i was written and all these people are like whoa you broke the fourth wall of wrestling that's like the honor like the code of honor of wrestling you can't do that you can't say it. and and one of the yeah and like the writers th- th- this is fascinating because the two performers were hated each other in real life and then the two mm-hmm. people who wrote the storyline for the uh performance uh that you know culminated in this like him being cheated out of his title hated them each other and at the end of what, the episode the guy says yeah i hate is a great motivator i'm gonna live long enough to piss on that guy's grave and my wife has instructions on how to do that <laughs> even if i'm like in a wheelchair i'm going there and he hates him <laughs> with a pattern it's fascinating and there's this whole lore behind it and all this history behind it where the guy was like telling there's actually been a screw job in like 41 
one in Japan and there's like I read about it and blah 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 so we, we tried to mirror that it's amazing I I didn't know there was this much depth to professional wrestling yeah that sounds fascinating it's like it's if it, it's starting to sound a lot like adaptation you know where like when the, it becomes meta fiction in terms of these guys have to live the fiction but to them it's real this is yeah. this is like the narrative and if you believe it mm-hmm. and you live it if you work it it becomes real awesome i don't i don't think i have anything as, as equally insightful to come up with michelle what did you watch this week uh, i just finished the no heavyweight event awesome. as well yeah mm-hmm. michelle so it. what did you which part were you a bigger fan of i think i really liked the last one but it was yeah. very very sad i mean after, i think you'll like oh, i, I the got it one I, it's uh, it's uh, it's already on my laptop i'm gonna watch it next yeah 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 like the, the poetics of like his life that just you can't believe that they existed in the way that they do mm. but apparently they did and it's so beautiful mm. yeah i mean well what did you think of the uh like the different writers the talking heads being like giving their opinions because i found that amazing but did it take away something it's really cool no no I don't think they yeah. do that with the Mark Twain though. They use more like actors mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. like scholars to talk about it. Wait, how do they do? Like, did they get like the actual writers at at the time of his death who were talking about him? No, like, like mm-hmm. still alive, who, right? who are like you know obviously oh, influenced by him and stuff like that. But I I loved that mm-hmm. the fact that he was just like this like he made this like he's like oh we couldn't find any we didn't have any money we couldn't eat and he married all these like rich women and was like never lived a day in his life of poverty. <laughs> I found that amazing. I was like okay good for him honestly. And uh, another part that made me laugh was like the his son going like much has been made about the him loving the Cuban people and he was like he couldn't give a shit about that. He was just like a guy in Cuba. And I <laughs> but just really quickly the the really sad part that i never have considered was that he was living in cuba and moved uh-huh. and then the cuban missile crisis happened and he like just had to leave his house and his life there like yeah and his dog got yeah. butchered i cried yeah and all his cats yeah, that that the revolutionaries so, yeah. kill his dog. Yeah, oh, he probably doesn't very look. He does probably doesn't look very Definitely fond of communism. Then Michelle was telling me about this, and uh, and I, she she told me that he fought in both world wars. Well, well fought in the sec, and then I started. Look, I was like, wow, that's that's yeah. a significant gap. So I looked to Wikipedia, and he, apparently he just no, attached no, himself. He was- yeah yeah but he was kind of dragged there by his uh then wife right like he was like i i don't want to go my luck's running out and he went but he did throw a grenade into this basement and kill like three german soldiers when the geneva convention (laughs) said you can't the reporters Holy can't shit, be what? In, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But he was a celebrity at that point. Like he was like the biggest name, like the like the biggest name as a fiction writer. Yeah, they kept saying that he liberated yeah, Paris. Yeah. And stuff like that. Oh my god. Apparently he wandered into a random village and commandeered the village's resistance fighters. Mm-hmm. Like he led himself a <laughs> a rogue militia group. And then on Wikipedia it says that the uh, the British like commanders frowned upon it because as effective of a leader he is, like a non-combatant, yeah. you're not a soldier. You can't do that. You can't just go around to a foreign country, <laughs> to the local militia and start leading. Yeah. Yeah. against the germans it's so, cool. so good i, I really care. really loved this documentary it was it was amazing so fascinating i'm i'm, I'm very i'm very yeah. self- thanks self- michelle like, for the um, <laughs> recommendation 
I, on the other hand, didn't really watch anything this week, unfortunately. Nice. More Superstore did, Michelle. Did you pull? That's that's about oh, it. Oh, really? <laughs> we're almost done. We're almost done. We're we're halfway through season five. What I would say about the show is that I'm very, I'm actually surprised by the amount of like the the depth that they delved into the idea of that trying to win under this system <laughs> is impossible, and that every single victory that they think they score for the little man is ultimately useless and futile because capitalism i thought that I, i'm really surprised the show didn't shy away from that yeah that's what i would say it's my insightful critique of superstore oh, it's actually um, very also they come they I, the, the show is completely torpedoed by the romance main romance again like, do we know why she time. left is she just like not into the show anymore or? i have no idea five seasons is enough I'm, i don't know how long, how long did Be- ugly betty run for i don't know use <laughs> your tenure with uh sitcoms so we do recommendations yes that's the recommendations michelle given that this is a referral from your friend why don't you go first i don't know what to recommend someone else go first <laughs> how do you recommend like this the seven like the cultural milestone for like an entire generation of kids oh, yeah I, i'm gonna recommend the movie zootopia because <laughs> it's all about also like just being yourself and you know all that stuff actually okay so or or i could recommend another movie that features a donkey it's oh hazard balthazar <laughs> the balthazar movie by robert brisson <laughs> uh <laughs> also starring no. eddie murphy the whole point of that movie is that the donkey is uh, silent and cannot talk and uh, say things like she's nasty as you are <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's a pretty good movie. Depressing. I thought Andy Murphy. Oh, just just a side note. Andy Murphy's a real. He does singer. he did have a music career? Have you never heard "Party All the Time"? Oh, look that up. Okay, I didn't know. I thought I thought he sounded really good. I was like, whoa. I'm gonna recommend Soul. That then mm-hmm. what is it? I Pixar? actually haven't Did seen. Have yeah. Pixar. It's pretty good. It's good. Yeah. And what's yours, Arvin? My recommendation is the 2015 fantasy <laughs> film called Tale of Tales. Very hard. <laughs> Uh, it, is, it is directed by a Italian director called Matteo Garon. He previously did this really interesting like dra- drama called Reality, and then he did Dogman, which I haven't you haven't seen. seen Dogman. Dogman is awesome. This, the reason why I bring this it's up really is because Shrek is. Yeah, I haven't right. seen. He's yeah, he, the is the same director. He. Uh, this is uh, the reason why I compare. I thought about this when watching Shrek was that this is also like an alternative, perhaps even darker and slyer take on fairy tales. I don't think any of the, it's basically kind of like an anthology of these the interweaving ta- like if. Feels like a a a fairy tale told mm. like a, like Hans Christian Andersen like the, the, the way the method is it's delivered is kind of feels like but it's kind of gruesome and dark and slight mm. and darkly ironic. I it's it's the only thing I can think of when I was watching Shrek. I was like in terms of like I was trying to think of like what's a comparison in terms of change and work actively trying to subvert our expectations of fairy tales mm. and trying to say something with them um especially in terms of beauty and in terms of because you know old, old fairy tale period like mm. how do you judge someone beauty is good ugliness is bad like what is the where is the morality there so yeah that's my recommendation tale of tales it's a hard it's like an r-rated mm. alternative to watch a fairy tale movie but i think it's worth the while next week will be mainstream a new movie just came out fresh off the movie turn table <laughs> oven <laughs> and uh yeah we'll be exploring social media and i and influence 
culture. Yeah, by Kofoskar. Yeah. So join us for that. Join us for that. We'll see you all next week. Stay safe, folks, and have a have a wonderful have a real nice time. Keep it Bye. <laughs> real good for you to join us. Bye. Bye. <laughs> the Seventh Reel is hosted by Marvin Fong, Michelle Hassel, and Yusuf El Bashir. Logo by Joe Conti. Our ad break music is composed by Yusuf Sui Lin, and our outro music is composed by Yahya El Bashir. Thanks for listening.